Here's the Smart Retirement Cast brought to you by Smart Retirement Media. Now, here's your hosts, Mike and Matt. Listeners, guess what time it is? It's time for a brand new Smart Retirement Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike Points, and I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Matt Hollander. What's going on, Mr. Mike? It's another day in paradise here, uh, California in October. About the best best place you could be, in my opinion, in the in the U.S. I would imagine it's better than being out here in Phoenix. I think we're coming into, I don't know if they said it was like the 143rd, 144th uh, day streak of 100 degrees or hotter, which is a new record for Phoenix. So I am ready for some cool weather, my friend. Well, that's why I got you coming out here Friday. You're going to be out here. We're going to show you how we drink wine. We're going to show you how we shoot over 100 in golf. (laughs) <laughs> and, and we'll probably do our best to get you to the coast and show you that ocean. Um, you're probably going to have to wear a hoodie, though, because I'm going to be freezing. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. I'm not used to it anymore. <laughs> Man, for a second there, I thought you were going to say 140 degrees because you said 143 or consecutive days. That would be nuts. That's like total recall status. Like you have to wear a suit when you go outside. Um, hey, listen, listeners, we are on part three of our four-part series. We've been getting all types of great feedback from you guys. We are ecstatic that you guys love this series. We found that when we do these series about once every six months, we get a lot of traction. We get a lot of people going back and listening to other episodes. We get a lot of new listeners. Um, and listen, listenership was up last month uh, quite a bit. So we want to thank you listeners for participating. Those of you that are ready every other Tuesday to listen to us. And those of you that are new, um, please, please, please feel comfortable at any time contacting us by emailing us at info at smart retirement cast dot. What is it, Matt? Com. Yep. You got com. it. <laughs> info at smart retirement Um, or give us a call. You know, there's nothing wrong with you guys contacting us to say, Hey, look, I'm not sure what I want to do yet. Uh, it's possible I may want to do something with you. I've been listening to the show. I got some questions. Um, 866-53-RETIRE. Option one gets you to Matt Hollander, and option two gets you to myself, Mike Points. And we had someone call in earlier this week from Pasadena, California. Marcus called, and he, he wanted us to touch on, just quickly before we get into the show, uh, a couple different ways to advise that we advise people on being smart about aging in place, Matt. So he wants to stay in his house in Pasadena, a very lovely part of Los Angeles County. You know, you're not in the hustle bustle. You got more of the neighborhood suburbia going on. And if you're a UCLA fan, that's right in the heart of where they play football at the Rose Bowl. So he wants to stay there till his dying days and he wants to do it as smart as possible. What do you talk about when you sit down with clients and they bring this up, Matt? Well, one, we have to make sure that, A, we can afford it, right? I think that's going to be the first thing we have to make sure is, do we have enough money to get through retirement? Kind of goes right along with our our shows that we're doing now and discussing that. Now, once we've kind of jumped over that hurdle, and that's a that could be a conversation for a whole retirement planning scenario, but I'd like to get a little bit more detailed 
Um, you know, there's a couple of things that we'll talk about. Uh, Mike, you'll touch on one of the ones that I actually recommend to a lot of my clients that intend on staying in their home. But um, one of the things that we find is one of the things that's going to kind of bring you away from being able to stay in your home is some type of illness, right? Mm-hmm. Whether And I'm not talking necessarily a terminal illness, but I'm talking more of these uh, you know, a catastrophic illness that's more of a long-term, right? A lot of people have heard the term long-term care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we're finding time and time again now is people are wanting to get away from going to that nursing home or going into an assisted living. Yeah. They want to age in place and they want to stay home. Yeah. But I've seen this in many, many of my clients. It's very, very expensive to do so. So what I think for Marcus, you know, we can have a retirement planning conversation, uh, you know, individually. But I think for our listeners today, this would be kind of a prime topic is, okay, if we have a long term care need come up, how can we go about that? Right. So we've got a couple options. Uh, Really, we've got if you're fortunate enough, you can self fund it. Right. Self funding is going to be essentially exactly that. You've got the money in the bank. You're going to pay for it. Um, I think these days, average cost for an individual, depending on the extense, how extensive the care is, we're probably looking, I don't know, six, seven, eight thousand dollars a month to have someone there full time. So if you can afford that in your portfolio, great. But I would think being that you if you have those assets, you understand a thing called leverage inside of your portfolio. So allowing your dollars to work for you. So one of the ideas would be then looking at what long-term care insurance may be available to me. And these long-term care insurance policies these days, they're not like your mom and dad's grandpa and grandpa's that they paid into them all those years and maybe didn't need them. These new policies, you can pay into them. There's a cash value, just like a life insurance policy and a death benefit. So if you don't use it, the beneficiaries still receive the money tax-free. So you're really not just giving the money away to the insurance company, which is nice. But one of the things that we see come up is, okay, we've got this, but if we're paying all this into it, we can't afford this. So what's another way, and Mike, I think this is where you come in wonderfully, is if they've got some equity in the home, uh, you know, they can start tapping into that to help with some of these other expenses for A, the insurance, or, you know, just life expenses regular, you know, day-to-day life expenses. Yeah. 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 I mean, reverse mortgages, uh, you know, for the sake of this discussion, aging in place, which we haven't talked in on specifically in a while, but I, I love the reverse mortgage play, especially if people do it where, you know, they own 40, 50% of their home and they don't take any other money from it. So they just give themselves a checkbook or access to liquidity for when these situations arise. So aging in place comes in many different ways. It comes, usually it comes by how do I transform my house so that I can stay in it? Like we're talking about the things that, you know, people, let's not be bashful as we get older, it gets harder to get in and out of that bathtub, right? Um, We might be fortunately able to walk, but I might need some ramps. You know, I'm not loving stairs anymore. These types of things, uh, putting uh, uh, the ability to flow through your house more easily, thinking ahead and saying, hey, I may be in a wheelchair. Maybe we should widen this hallway, et cetera. Then it gets into the more um, unfortunate and healthcare needing um, discussion uh, services that Matt brought up. But what reverse mortgages do is they allow you to take what you need, 
pay back if you want to, don't pay back if you don't want to. Um, and a lot of times people are in the position where they've got a, a hundred or $150,000 CD that's just earning a, a pittance of interest <laughs> where they could put that towards their mortgage, turn the payment off. Now their cash flow is converted in a much more tax efficient way and then spark that reverse mortgage conversation or set up the reverse mortgage uh, uh, scenario so that when they do need to call on that money in the future, it's there for them. And I love that discussion when regards to aging in place. Listeners, if you're in that 65 to 70 year old and you're still healthy, you're moving around, it's perfectly okay to start prepping for aging in place. This is the time to do it. Matt, I mean, you kind of have to buy insurance with your health. You know, you pay for it with your dollars, but you buy it with your health. And the earlier and you know, more healthy you are when you go in to do this, the cheaper it's going to be for you. So right. another thing to be looking at. Great question, Marcus. Um, we'll move on to the show now. But listeners, just like that, you can send a question in or you can send in a topic for us that you want us to touch on more greatly. And we will happily do that. We are here to serve you guys as our as our base. Um, today, we're going to in part three, we're going to touch on what's called sequence of return and investment behavior risk. These are both separate risks. They kind of go hand in hand, which is why Matt and I paired them up. And the sequence of return risk is uh, one that I think you can have a very, very intellectual conversation about because it goes into different times that you should pull from your portfolio, how to strategize, you know, more, more of the nerdy part of finance. The behavioral or the investment behavioral, that's really more philosophical philosophical it's it's really gets more into like the sociology and the thinking and the mental the mental reaction to the marketplace that us as americans have and even it, it doesn't even really have to be americans i don't know why i said that but i think it, i think we just are so caught up in the way of competing with the joneses in this country you know sure. it's like i gotta pull i gotta get the new escalade because mine's only seven or eight years old and you know so and so down the street's got a new one um, and I think that's why I said American. But um, before we go into the break, Matt, I want you to kind of set us up for what we're going to touch on for sequence sure. of returns. And then um, I know I've got some input just from investment behavior research I did back when I was in college and what I still look at today. So give us some highlights as we segue into the show. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. So, you know, sequence of returns risk is essentially taking withdrawals from your account. We've talked about uh, you know, withdrawal rate risk and things like that in the previous show. But this is really saying, okay, if we figured out this withdrawal rate that we're going to be withdrawing down the portfolio, um, it, it, it's the how it affects your portfolio in a bear market still having to take these withdrawals, right? And Mike, you and I deal with this day in and day out is trying to figure out where do we pull this money from if one account's down, one's not. Mm -hmm. um, but essentially, we can kind of look at both of these together, the sequence returns and then investment behavior risk, because investment behavior, I mean, has a huge impact on portfolio performances. Um, you know, as you said earlier, investors are pretty influenced by their emotions, right? It could be excitement, fear, greed, euphoria, panic. Um, and it's really just going to interrupt that long-term investment strategy that we've got. And that's one of the things that listeners, I like to just emphasize to you all the time is if we're going to create a plan, let's stick to it. This is a long-term deal. Retirement's that 30-year vacation that we're gearing up for. We mm -hmm. need to make sure that we have a solid plan. Mm -hmm. 
Um, you know, what's interesting is I was doing a little bit of research on this. And I know, Mike, I don't want to steal your thunder. I know you've got a couple examples on this. But uh, if we look at the S&P 500 from 1996 to 2015, okay, on average, the S&P 500 earned 8.19%. Let's call it 8.2%. While the typical investor only earned two point one one percent, why? That is so funny. I, that's so. That is so believable because of the stuff I read all the time. Because people are hunting, right? They're chasing that bottom and trying to time the market. Yep. Yep. And I mean, it, it, studies have shown that in order to benefit from long-term market appreciation that the investor should consider remaining invested through the ups and the downs of the market, right? Mm -hmm. So that's essentially what we're looking at, investment behavior risk. So we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on that. I know you've got a couple of things you want to dive into, but that kind of segues into, okay, if we've created this long-term plan, let's eliminate the investment behavior risk inside of this portfolio. Now, what's the, you know, the bear that we've got to look at is the sequence returns risk. Right. And so what I think I'd like to do is, Mike, let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back from the break, we'll dive into sequence returns risk and how that can affect your portfolio in your retirement. Honestly, when was the last time you really took a hard look at your retirement plan? With the market the way it's been, it can be easy to become complacent. A new decade is upon us, which comes with a lot of questions. Can the economy and the market continue to grow? What will the next election do to my investments? Is it time to sell my house before the market adjusts to downsize and take advantage of the equity? How can I best maneuver to maximize return? The answer is simple. It never hurts to get a second opinion from a team like Century Financial Consultants. With over 40 years of financial planning experience, Get a free retirement analysis from Century Financial Consultants today to see where you stand and if you're ready for any changes we may face in the coming year. Give Century Financial Consultants a call today at 866-53-RETIRE. That's 866-53-RETIRE. Prepare for an uncertain tomorrow so you can relax and enjoy today. Get a free retirement analysis from Century Financial Consultants by calling 866-53-RETIRE. That's 866-53-RETIRE. Century Financial Consultants, California license numbers 0L23991 and 0175. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act, NMLS number 328358. Mike Points is a licensed loan officer in California, NMLS number 1246224, and is only licensed to offer advice on mortgage products. He is not licensed as an investment advisor. All of the mortgage products Mike Points will discuss on this show are for educational purposes, and these products should be reviewed by a licensed loan officer before taking these mortgages on as your own, as they may not fit your specific situation or needs.
right all the way back from the break here, Matt. Um, really glad that we're dedicating some of our, in fact, all of our commercial breaks to Eddie Van Halen. Unfortunately, we lost him last week. Um, a rock and roll god, if you're a rock fan. But um, I also wanted to make sure that that um, you know our listeners know that the sequence of return risk. It sounds like a very fancy, very fancy term, but I want to just make sure you guys understand that all of you, all of you have experienced this risk. It's impossible to rule it out 100%. Absolutely. Um, but it, what it is, essentially, it's, it's when you draw money from your portfolio, when you pull those funds, um, no matter which sequence in which you do it, whether it comes monthly or quarterly, you take money out. You wait till the end of the year, till your CPA tells you what your required minimum distributions are. When you take out money, the market is up, down, sideways, flat. As you know, it's a living, breathing thing. So you are at risk of taking money out when you're down in a stock or an equity or, you know, you uh, you take money against a an asset that you just really didn't want to have to do it at that time. And as you know, in the stock market or in investing, you really don't actualize or experience the loss until you sell your position. So, um, Matt, I did my best there at trying to summarize it in, in layman's terms, but I think what you're going to do well here, in addition to um, referencing a, a very a very intelligent expert we have that talks about this topic, um, give us some of the details and topics of why many retirees just don't think about this enough and how we can help prepare them for not doing this the wrong way. Sure. Um, you know, one of the things that we've referenced in one of the previous shows was the number one fear of most of today's seniors is running out of money. Right. And sequence returns risk is going to be next to maybe market risk, probably the most important risk that we need to focus on, because with in combination with longevity risk, which we talked about in another show, no one knows. I don't know exactly how long you're going to live. I don't know how long I'm going to live, Mike. But depending on the sequence of when you take out the money from your portfolio, it can't affect it. Now, granted, we can't predict when we're if we're going to be retiring into a rising flat or a negative sequence of market performance, right? And let's just kind of take it very basic for a second. If we if we say we're retiring into a rising sequence of market performance, that just means we're in an up market. Okay. Flat means it's, you know, two, three percent returns keeping up with inflation, going back to our inflation risk. Or we have our negative sequence, which could be, hey, if you retired in 2009, hey, I'm sorry, your portfolio has gone down 37% on day one of when you're retiring. Good luck, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, right? So unfortunately, we can't really predict that, but there are ways that we can do or look at to kind of negate that risk, if you will. So I think the real goal too is just to, to shine light and make it make you conscious of it. It's not that you don't know, oh man, I, I had to take out money and the stock market was down. It's how to prepare to give yourself an, another bucket, right? Let's give yourself an, a bucket B or option C bucket to pull from when you need money and the market is down. Let's only be taking money when the market is up or try uh, to. 
Absolutely. And if you're that investor out there that only looks at investments, comparing them based upon their rate of return over a 10-year, 15, 20-year period of time, you're going about it completely wrong. And I'm going to show you, or I'm going to tell you an example why, and I'll actually post a, a, a slide clip of this uh, on our Facebook. But let's do an example. And let's say we have the Hatfields and we have the McCoys. And both of these families are going to retire at the age of 65 with a half a million dollars. Okay. Okay. So let's say the McCoys retire, no significant market setback until 21 years into their retirement. So they've got that kind of pretty picture. Uh, They retired maybe somewhere in the 70s. They've got somewhere, they've got a couple blips here and there of a market downturn. But for the most part, they've had a pretty decent retirement. So that half a million they retired with, they're going to actually receive a little over $950,000 in income over their 30 years, and their beneficiary is going to be left with almost $2.7 million. Not a bad retirement, right? So the McCoys did good. The Hatfields, unfortunately, what we're going to do is we're going to take that same sequence of returns, but we're going to flip them, okay? So the Hatfields now are going to have those significant market setbacks in the first year of their retirement, okay? So they're going to start out with that same half a million. What's going to end up happening is they're going to receive about $660,000 over 24 years of their retirement, and they're going to run out of money at the age of 89. Okay, So that's why sequence return is important because we, we look at these two scenarios, the Hatfields and the McCoys, they started out with the same exact thing, but because of sequence returns, their portfolios, one lasted longer than the other. The aha moment to both of these, and this is going back to my point a second ago, is about chasing uh, net return on your portfolio over X amount of period. Both of these portfolios for the Hatfields and the McCoys had an average annual net return of 9%. Okay. How did so the Hatfields do so poorly? Well, again, let's say they were like my reference earlier. They retire in 2008, 2009, and they have a 37% loss in their portfolio day one, right? So they they started out with half a million going into retirement, but after 30 days, they're down, you know, 30%. They have a whole lot less money to work with. And that's, again, going into sequence returns. And that's the concern is, okay, we have to withdraw this amount of money every year. When we do it, may have some importance to it throughout your retirement. So what do we do, right? There's things we can do to kind of hedge against this, which that's why you know a lot of investors and things want to have a, you know, a balanced portfolio, for instance, mm-hmm. right? So we talked about in one of the previous episodes when we were talking about uh, sustainable withdrawal rates and the old way of thinking about things being that 4% rule. So that 4% rule was actually done by a financial advisor by the name of Bill Bengen um, back in the in the 1990s. And essentially, you know, he went through and said, over a 30 year period, you can withdraw 4% out of your account and no issues. Okay, so he actually it was a 10 page research paper that he did on this. And I actually posted this to our Facebook. So listeners, if you're if you're listening and you want to check this, uh, check this out, go on to uh, our Smart Retirement Podcast Facebook page and the PDF is there for you to check out. But essentially what Bill Bengen actually kind of forgot to do inside of his research was to take into account the sequence of returns risk. 
He just said, okay, everyone's going to make the same amount of money each year with an average, and this is how much they can take out, right? He also was looking at a time where CDs and your fixed income options that were available to you in the 90s were returning much higher than they are today, mm-hmm. right? So now as the investor, right. we're left with, we're holding the bag. What do we do, right? So again, this is kind of where that conversation falls in and talking about the possibility of positioning some type of income product into your portfolio. And for some individuals, like an indexed annuity might be the way of going about it, right? Because we can curve out any of the market loss inside the portfolio, because with an indexed annuity, you can have some of the upside of the portfolio, right. but you don't suffer any of the downside loss. And the income that can be provided through a income rider on these policies, you know, they might pay you six, 7% of what the por- whatever's in it when you turn on that income rider, but it's six to 7% for life. So even if we have that longevity risk of us running out of money, that is eliminated at that point, as long as we can create enough income through the annuity to get you through retirement. So I think one of the best ways, in my opinion, to avoid the sequence returns risk to your portfolio is having some hedges inside the portfolio that can kind of combat that downside risk in the market. So, you know, that used to be kind of the bond market, right? But right now the bond market's not really returning anything. So with the with the combination of maybe having some equity in the portfolio, maybe an annuity. And then, Mike, I love the option to, you know, maybe have an equity line or or, or possibly just a reverse mortgage uh, line of credit available to you uh, for this situation. Right. Because now you can in, in a down year of the portfolio, you could withdraw from the equity in the home instead yep. and then up year reimburse the equity back into the into the home. Right. That's right. Yeah, you just switch out the two. So um, like Matt just said so eloquently, you would just literally write yourself a check against the asset of real estate that you own, the home equity line. Those of you that have it, I mean, you can have them on investment properties. You can have them on your primary residence. Currently during COVID-19, it's you're only able to get those on your primary residence. So if you're trying to go out and start one, do it correctly, do it on your primary and if you need forty to $48,000 a year, and this year has just given you the heebie-jeebies, even though it went back up um, midsummer, it looked pretty doom and gloom, um, you would just be paying yourself from the equity line during quarter two and probably a little bit of quarter three. Now you're seeing gains back up again. You could take funds, the remaining funds that you thought you were going to use to, to make you whole for the year. You would just take by selling stock or, you know, selling a position or using money from the retirement fund, pay back your equity line. And here's another thing that I think people really, really don't think about. Listen, rates are at a historic low right now. I'm seeing cash out refinances on investment properties at 3%. So let's say you own 60% of an investment property that's giving you cash flow, okay? You love the cash flow. You love the $800 a month you get every month from your tenant. Well, guess what, guys? You also don't love paying your $385 a month car loan payment. And maybe you have a couple credit cards because you had to repair the roofs or you took the kids to Disneyland before COVID happened. And now those payments combined could be $500 a month. Well, if you take some, if you take cash out against your retirement property that's giving you cash flow, 
you know, $100,000 is only going to cost you now about $385 to $400 a month in liability payment. You just got rid of your car payment and those credit cards. You've created additional cash flow. You've reduced your liability. You have not touched your retirement account to do any of that. So that's the difference between being cognitive of like, okay, I can touch my retirement account at any time. That's mine. But I do have other cards in my hand that I can utilize, i.e. real estate or um, the equity in my primary real estate or even just debt consolidation through real estate. I've seen people go into tears at my desk because I've freed up $1,200, $1,300 in cash out finances that they paid off just consumer debt that they did not want to have. And so the new payment went up $500, but they're saving $1,200 a month. That's $700 right there. That was equivalent to Mrs. Jones's social security income payment. Mm -hmm. We created that through strategizing properly. So, um, you know, we want to segue into the investment behavior or excuse me, the, yeah, the investment behavior risk. Um, Matt, before we do that, though, is there any last things you wanted to add to the sequence of return? No, no, I think we're good. Investment behavior is fascinating. This is one where you could have, you know, if you had the right company with you, uh, meaning like, uh, you know, visitors or or people to talk to in in a debate. This is a good one because I think there's so much philosophical and sociology to investment behavior. This is the, the concept of like, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. Let's get out and get into cash versus we have a plan. This thing over 10 years returns about 8.2%. Let's just ride the storm and stay the course. We don't need to call Matt every Tuesday because the market's down on Tuesdays. Let's just go to the golf course and live our life. But what's funny is it's so easy to say that in a meeting. It's very, very different when the sky is falling, right? Yep. You're playing golf with your buddies. Oh, yeah, I got out of Apple because it's down 20%. Or something of that nature. Sure. You know, I, I, I just couldn't deal with the, the I, I, I'm too squeamish for the up and down. And uh, I'm going to, and not only do they do it once, they'll do things as drastic as getting out of equities altogether and going into something completely risk-free. And now they run into that other risk we talked about in earlier shows, which is the, um, uh, we titled it specifically, I want to make sure I get to it. Yeah, so the withdrawal rate risk. No, what we titled it. Well, essentially, um, if infl- inflation risk is, I think, what you're essentially getting to is not earning you. enough. Yeah, not earning enough, uh, you know, to keep up with inflation. Essentially, so essentially, we've got a negative, you know, uh, negative in our in our book, right? <laughs> yeah, so, so things consumer goods go up, but your your portfolio only grows like less than but by what the consumer goods are going up. So your sleep quotient is going high, right? You're sleeping <laughs> all the way through the night, but now you can't, you could currently, your money could run out before you pass away. And and that's the longevity uh, function of, of risk that we talked about. So you guys, this whole series is to touch on the major overlapping risks. Um, investment behavior goes into other things too, which I just think, you know, are fascinating such as um, just the idea of 
you know, not buying more of the same stock when it goes down, you know, like if you're all in on something and it goes down 8%, there's a good possibility that that's a discount, you know, and I think what happens here, and we're getting into some of the, the stuff that I don't really deal with day in, day out. So I want you to take the microphone back from me, Matt. But sure, we're, what I'm getting into, what I'm prefacing this section of our show is, is, is the mental behavior, how you should, uh, you know, from an educated standpoint, I've got a degree in finance and a minor in accounting, and I've got a degree in risk management. And things we touched on when I was in school was you look at a PE ratio, you know, you look at the solvency of the firm, you look at where they're positioned in the marketplace and, you know, that's what you go off of. But behavioral risk is like, oh my gosh, I love what Netflix is doing. Let's buy Netflix, but not looking at their financials. So tell me how this comes up in your day-to-day practice, Matt. Sure. And I think that's, that's a good point. So, I mean, you, you're, you're really coming down to more of like that fundamental investor, right? That's, that's really looking into um, the different stats that may be coming with a company. And what we'll have is people trying to time the market, right? Um, Strategic type of investors. That's those guys that are buying and selling, jumping in and out, you know, day trading almost uh, on some of these funds. And I think again, if, you're trying to make a bunch of money in the market and have that kind of hedge fund mentality. Great. Just have enough money backed up in the, in your back pocket that your retirement will still be successful if it does fail. Right. right? Have that money that you play with. Um, because again, that behavior risk is most Americans, um, right. will buy high and sell low, right. Buy high, sell low. Um, and that's, it's really kind of the issue that we run into because we've got that, that again, that's our behavior risk. Okay. Um, the one I like, and this is kind of go back, going back to our, um, uh, different types of ways that we can withdraw from the account is we've got a saying that's, uh, sell when you can, not when you have to. Right. Sell when you can, not when you have to. And that really comes into that annuity idea or some type of fixed income proposition to where you're not having to jump out of the market because the market's down. You're not going to be affected by selling it at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that I want to spend a whole lot more time on behavioral risk because at the end of the day, listeners, smart retirees, if you kind of follow some guidance here and become smart retirees, we can almost eliminate this behavioral risk. This is the, okay, let's put our head down and let's focus. And here's what the plan is. And here's what the end game is, right? We're not going to guide you into, uh, you know, the penny stocks of back in the eighties, right? Where you could have lost your portfolio with through diversification inside the portfolio and a team like Mike and I, we can help guide you, with some ideas of how to protect yourselves from all seven of these risks that we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, through this part and part four, which will be coming up in two weeks. We're going to be talking about uh, market risk, which is a lot of fun and uh, interest rate risk. So uh, Mike, with that, I mean, is there anything you'd like to add in for today's show? No, I've enjoyed this series. Um, I think it's so many times that it's, it's easier to talk about and share with listeners um, the risks than to talk about 
actual concepts just because I think it registers with them. Listeners, I love that you guys are downloading the videos from wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Please continue to do that. And if you could give us a star rating that that we earned, you know, if it's four stars, great. If it's five stars, fantastic. Um, We want you to give us a rating because we want more listeners to add to this this database we have. We want you to be able to share with people out in the community that, you know, this is worth their time. You've been getting something back from it. Um, That's all I really have to say in closing, Matt. And I'm I'm looking forward to part four in two weeks. I I know that we are going to do our best when you're here to have fun. Um, we'll be here Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I'm looking forward to that as well. I know we'll probably talk about and bring up the show. We, how could we not? Um, but um, in the meantime, I'm just glad that we are trucking through this series and, and sharing with our listeners what we think to be valuable. Absolutely. Smart Retirees, as always, if you've got questions, comments, concerns, shoot us an email at info at smartretirementcast.com. Again, that's info at smartretirementcast.com. Or feel free to give us a call at 866-53-RETIRE. Again, that's 866-53-RETIRE. Mike, we're going to wrap up the show today with my man, uh, Eddie Van Halen, and a little uh, guitar riff. So retirees, let's go out and make the rest of our lives the best of our lives. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or construed as providing specific investment advice. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast. California license number 0175638 and MLS number 1246224.